Hello and welcome to the Old Time Radio Forever broadcast. I'm your host, Matt Perry. Join us weekly as we explore the golden era of American radio through the dramas, westerns, mysteries, and comedies that shaped the golden age. Be sure to give us a thumbs up or a five-star review on all of the podcast directories that you may use. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Old Time Radio Forever, another double feature this week. And we move to the crime genre. The crime genre is arguably what Old Time Radio is most famous for. Hard-boiled detectives like Philip Marlowe, Philo Vance, Richard Diamond, yours truly Johnny Dollar, and others. Cop procedurals like Dragnet and I Was a Communist for the FBI. And then there's the other side. People that aren't necessarily uh, law enforcement officers, but work in the world of crime, like Casey, the crime photographer, and the subject of tonight's first episode, Randy Stone. Randy Stone is the, uh, was the main character in a program known as Night Beat. Randy Stone was a war hero and a journalist for the Chicago uh, news for Chicago Star, excuse me, newspaper, and he worked the nighttime beat looking at the seedy side of the second city. Frank Lovejoy played the title character from 1950 to 1952, and I think it is a great show to debut. For, so for the first time in our series history, here's Nightbeat on Old Time Radio Forever. Stone. I cover the night beat for the Chicago Star. Stories start in many different ways. This one began with young love and ended with old death. Night beat, starring Frank Lovejoy as Randy Stone. Working at night and trying to sleep in the daytime is all wrong. It's getting so lately, my only contact with sunshine is my friendly little bottle of vitamins. <laughs> the kind of tan you get from munching on a fistful of vitamins is nothing, believe me. Tonight, leaving that ever-loving bed was really a chore. I scraped a razor across my face and I bathed my fevered brow with cold water to scatter the cobwebs. And I headed uptown for police headquarters and a couple of one-syllable words with my old friend, Sergeant Kalski. Kalski was on his way in to watch an early evening show-up, and I tagged along. If you've never been in a police show-up room, it's kind of like a little theater. The bad actors are the prisoners filing across the brightly lit stage, and the audience sitting in the dark are hard-bitten, weary detectives... They've seen most of the performers too often before, and they know all the dialogue down to the last whimper. The line coming out now were women, and even half-dozen assorted sizes and ages. Okay, now just stand back against that measurement chart on the wall and face front. Yeah, we know. 
The usual cross-section on the police blotter of any large city. Shoplifters, thieves, narcotics suspects, husband beaters, and an occasional common garden variety drunk. Hey, you, on the end. What's your name? You've been here before. That's a lie. Never been here before in my life. What's your name? I refuse to say anything without the advice of the proper party. <laughs> Kind of hurt the old girl's feelings there, Koski. Not her, Randy. Her feelings were pickled in alcohol years ago. Well, how about the young one there? Good-looking kid, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. It doesn't seem to belong somehow. Ah, they all belong, Randy. You can't tell by how they look. Why, that innocent-looking doll with her baby blue eyes. Yeah, I know. I know. Don't tell me. Probably killed her grandmother. <laughs> Only two will get you five. Whatever she did, it's a first offense. That kid looks half-scared to death. Hey, you're on the far end. What's your name? You mean me? That's right. I'm sorry I can't see you. These lights are so bright. You're not supposed to see me. Step out a little. Just answer the question. What's your name? Linda Johnson. But I'm here by mistake. Aren't we all here? Quiet, quiet. I want to explain. I don't belong here. You'll have a chance to explain in court, miss. This is just a show up. Why are you in here? I don't know. I just arrived in Chicago this morning, and they arrested me. Well, what did they say you did when they booked you? What was the charge? <laughs> all right, girls, that's all. That's all, Nathan. Well, as I was saying, Koski, this kid undoubtedly polished off a grandmother with an axe. All right, Randy. So maybe it's the first offense. Maybe even a mistake, like the girl says, but... You haven't looked at the book yet to see what the charge says. Well, anyway, can I talk to her? It might be something for me. Sure. Go ahead to the women's division. Tell the matron I okayed it. Maybe it's got something to do with the stars, the zodiac sign I was born under. But I've always been a sucker for three things that spelled trouble. That last little drink for the road, a right cross to the jaw... And a girl who still looks pretty with a jug full of tears streaming down her face. You'd think a fellow'd know better. Oh, well. I went around to the woman's division for a close-up of the kid with the misty eyes. There was a lady cop at the desk. When I asked her about Linda Johnson, she gave me a funny smile. You're a little late, Randy. She's being released. I just saw her at the show-up. That's right, but she's made bail since. I'll be bringing her out in a minute. What was she in on? Grand theft, I think. Well, let me see. Yeah, that's right. Any details? Swiped a fellow's wallet in a bar. Arresting officer found it in her purse. Ooh, nice kid. <laughs> oh, here she comes now. Uh, would you mind holding my watch while I talk to her? <laughs> <laughs> Better wait till she's released, Randy. Then we won't be responsible. Okay, wait here. Linda Johnson, Meg. Papers clear? Yeah, all taken care of. Personal property release? All signed. You want to open up? Okay. I guess that's it, Miss Johnson. You can go now. You mean you're letting me go? That's right. Until the hearing. Tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Department 5, released on bail. Oh, but I don't have enough money for bail. They said it was $500. It's all paid. Bonding company posted bail half an hour ago. But there must be a mistake. Who paid it? I don't even know anybody in Chicago. Well, somebody evidently knows you, honey. And pretty well, too. But who? Don't you really know? Oh, no. It's crazy. First I'm arrested and I don't know why, and now I'm bailed out and you won't tell me who put up the money. I'm sorry, Miss Johnson. We don't have any way of knowing that. You can check with the bonding company in the morning. Probably a friend. Or maybe your folks. Oh, no. No, they don't even know where I am. They mustn't ever know. 
This kid was scared, but good. Her eyes had the bewildered expression of a little girl that's been whipped for something she didn't do and can't understand why. Up close, she was even more beautiful and she'd looked under those glaring white lights in the show-up. Her cheeks were pale, except for that bright flush of red high up. Her eyes were big and soft, and her lips were full and almost trembling with a strange sort of excitement. Hmm, <laughs> what happened? Suddenly I heard gypsy violins in the background. And she was just a gal, and I was just a guy. It was as though she'd heard my thoughts. Suddenly she swung around and looked straight at me, only then realizing that I was there. Oh, I... Her face turned a gorgeous red, and then she turned quickly and hurried out of the building. Careful. She'll get more than your watch, Randy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll be seeing I followed the girl out the front door and down the steps to the street. It was raining. She hesitated the moment, looked around as if she weren't sure which way to go, and then turned towards the corner. I ran and caught up with her. Excuse me. What is it? What do you want? Miss Johnson? They told me I could go. Yeah, that's right. Then why are you following me? Oh, don't be frightened. I wanted to talk to you. Are you a detective? Are you supposed to follow me? Is that it? No, it's nothing like that. I I just want to talk to you. I don't know you. I don't want to talk to anyone. Oh, look, you're a stranger in Chicago. I just thought I might be able to help you. No, no, you can't. Oh, now, come on. Get under this awning. You're getting yourself all wet. Don't touch me. Leave me alone or I'll call a... You call a cop? Oh. <laughs> Come on, you better get under the awning. I was in the show-up back there a while ago. It uh, seems like they're not exactly inclined to believe your stories. Then you are a stick. No. Well, who are you? What do you want? It's been like a nightmare since I got off the train this morning. First that man, then the police, and now you. What? What's happening to me? Well, I can't answer for the first two, but the number three boy is a reporter fellow named Randy Stone. A newspaper reporter. Oh, don't say it that way. It's uh, better than selling dope. I should have known you wouldn't understand. Where are you going? Let me alone. Come back here, you little fool. Wait a minute. You're going through a red light. She stepped off the curb against the signal. A big green sedan gunned up the street, throttled wide open, and raced through the intersection. Linda, look out. Get back to the curb. You want to get killed? That car. Did it hit you? No, but the man at the wheel. He, he was the man whose wallet they said. Oh, now, look, lady, look, I'm a real simple fellow. When things come too fast, I get all mixed up. Now, what do you say we start at the beginning and in that doorway so that we don't get soaked? I'm sorry. My name is... Yeah, I, I got that. It's Linda Johnson, and you just arrived in Chicago this morning. Where from? Molina, Kansas. Did you come here alone? Of course I came alone. Oh, I don't get so. I just uh, asked a question. But the way you asked it. You said you didn't know anybody in Chicago. A kid like you shouldn't be running around alone. I am not a kid. Well, I, I meant you're kind of young. Girl your age, floating around a big city on the loose. For your information, Mr. Stone, I am old enough to go wherever I please. Yeah, but not old enough to stay out of trouble, it seems. What about this guy in the green car, this wallet guy? I met him last night on the train. Didn't your mother ever tell you about talking to strange men on trains? My mother has nothing to do with it. If she had her way, I'd never have left Molina. That might not have been a bad idea. Oh, if she hears about this, it'll kill her. You won't put anything in the papers, will you? Oh, so that's it. You ran away from home. I didn't run away. I just couldn't stand living in that narrow little town any longer. With nothing to do, no place to go, nobody to talk to. Day after day, being around nothing but... Nothing but... Nothing but people who love you? Yeah, that uh, gets a little boring, doesn't it? All right, so you didn't run away. You left home, and then you met this man on the train. 
He was pleasant to me. We had a drink together in the club car, that was all. Today I met him again in the lobby of my hotel, and he drove me out to this place, the Rainbow Club. But then I didn't like the way he was acting, and I wanted to leave. But he wouldn't let me. What do you mean, he wouldn't let me? He just wouldn't let me. And then a policeman came in, and I started to call the policeman, but before I could, Mr. Blake called him and said I'd stolen his wallet. Was there anybody else around? Just the bartender. But what did he say? He said he saw me take it out of Mr. Blake's pocket while we were at the bar. And then the policeman found the wallet in your purse. Yes, but I didn't take it. I didn't. Why would anybody want to frame you on a thing like that? Oh, you don't believe me, do you? You don't believe me either. Well, I, I don't know. Whole thing's a little strange. If you're telling the truth that, oh, why don't kids like you stay home where they belong? Let me alone. Just let me alone. Look, Linda, whether you like it or not, I'm taking you to your hotel. If the driver of that car is the guy you say he is, he's the one that might have gotten you bailed out of the clink. But he had me arrested. Why would he have me bailed out? To get you outside where he could kill you. What? Well, sister, you're really not old enough to be out in the rain. Back to Nightbeat and Randy Stone. Yeah, like King Solomon once said, latch on to a pretty girl and you latch on to trouble. And this kid, Linda Johnson, wasn't just pretty. She was beautiful. A genuine 14-carat trouble doll. <laughs> All in one day, she's arrested, bailed out, and almost killed. So, just like the Chamber of Commerce would want me to, I escorted the fair visitor to our city to the safety of her own hotel room. A middle-class business hotel in the Loop. Now that we are in off the street, she seemed a little more relaxed. She shook the rain out of her hair, she turned on the radio, and we sat down on the couch. That, uh, Frank Blake you met on the train. You ever seen him before? No. He was a complete stranger. Why would a complete stranger want to kill you? No. Maybe I just imagined that was Frank driving the car. And anyway, it was my fault for walking against the signal. Uh-huh. All right, now let's see. You met him in a club car on the train, and you talked with him a while. And then what? Then we went back to our own cars. I said goodnight at his compartment, then went on through to my own car. Didn't he invite you in? Certainly not. He was traveling with someone else. A lady? No, a man. <laughs> you sure about that? Of course. I saw him when Frank opened the door. But please, let's not talk about it anymore. Okay, let's uh, let's talk about you. Can I turn this down a bit? Mm-hmm. Why'd you come to Chicago? Oh, usual reason, I guess. Why does any girl come to a big city? So that she can live a little. So that she can be on her own. Mm, maybe you're not old enough to be on your own. That's what you keep saying, isn't it? Well, come here. What? There. Still think I'm not old enough? Uh, no, you're old enough. Um... What? Oh, so you want to play. Now, you're 22, you read a book, you got some ideas about what life in the big city's all about? That's right. So you're not a little girl anymore, hmm? No, I'm not. <laughs> all right, big girl, I'll play. But don't forget you started this little game, and don't say later you weren't playing for keeps. I won't. Hmm. Well, you see, the way the uh, big fellas play, it's, uh, it's a little different. They put an arm around your waist, uh, like this. Mm-hmm. 
It's pretty hard to get away, even if a big girl wanted to. Mm-hmm. And they hold you closer and closer until you don't think you'll be able to breathe anymore. Mm-hmm. And then his face is so close to yours that you can't see his features anymore. It's just uh, oh, when they are beautiful. Oh, oh. Don't, don't let me go. See what I mean, big girl? Oh, you just wanted to make a fool of me, didn't you? Oh, did I? At the door. There's somebody at the door. Yeah, that's right. There's always somebody at the door. Open it. Oh, but you here, won't it look... Oh, certainly not. I'm a guest. You look perfectly respectable, very properly attired. The only thing you're not wearing is your dignity. Oh, now go on, open the door. Hello. Frank. That's right, inside. Well, well, what do you know? The man in the dream sedan. Correct. Also the man named Frank Blake. The same. Also... Also the man with a gun. Ooh, I see. So don't move, Oh, huh? please, Frank. Keep your voice down, Wendy. All right, mister, what's it all about? Don't you know? No, I'm afraid I don't. Wait mm. Oh, oh, no. Don't tell me I fell for that one. It's not funny. Oh, let me see. This is the place where you say, I'm the lady's husband. Is that right? Yeah, that's right, wise guy. I'm the lady's husband. Oh, no, Randy, he's lying. Shut up, Linda. And then I'm supposed to ask how much it'll cost for the outraged husband to forget about the whole thing. Oh, no. You're pretty smart, mister. Oh, oh, the Badger game, the oldest game in the world, and I fell for it. Wait till Kalski hears about oh, this. he's lying, Randy. He's lying. <laughs> hey, shut up. Oh. Look out, Miss Nibby. Drop it. Drop it. Now get your gun. Come back here, you. When he dropped the gun, I kicked it across the room. As he scrambled for it, I scrambled for the door, and I made the street in nothing flat. I was traveling so fast, the night clerk in the lobby could have mistaken me for a flying saucer. And I was sore, not only at them, but myself, for being taken for a sucker. From the cigar store on the corner, I telephoned Sergeant Kalski. In less than ten minutes, police were posted at every entrance to the hotel, and Kalski and I were on our way back up to Linda Johnson's room. All right, go ahead, Kalski. Say it. I got it coming. Well, anybody can make a mistake, Randy. Like I say, you can't always tell by a pretty face. Oh, but that badger game's the oldest racket in the world, and I fall for it hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> and here I am giving her lectures to go home to her mother. Very <laughs> right, quiet now. How far down the hall? It's the third door. Stay close to the wall. That's it, Next one. Let's stand back. He may shoot. I'm back. Open up, Blake. It's the police. Come out, Blake, with your hands up. Wait, it's Johnson. Okay, Randy, we're going in. But it's open. Come on. Well, there's no one here. Oh, yes, there is. Look behind the bed. Linda, with a pillow over her head. Ooh, drenched in chloroform. Get rid of it. Here, give me a hand with a wrench. Let me get a window open first. There. Now she's breathing. Linda, come on, come on, Linda. Come on, wake up. Come on, girl, take a deep breath. Oh, brother, how stupid can a guy get? The kid was on the level. We almost let her get herself bumped off. What do you mean, we? Oh, oh, don't. Linda, it's all right. It's Randy Stone. Oh, where is he? Frank. He tried to kill me. It's all right, Linda. The police are here. You're going to be okay now. Oh, you were right, Randy. He was trying to kill me. Okay. Let's have a straight on this. Why did he do it? But I don't know. I don't know. Was he your husband? Oh, no, of course not. Boyfriend who was jealous? No, no. Did you pull a job together? Were you holding out on him? Is that the reason? I told you I didn't even know him. 
And what have you got on him? What do you know? Nothing. I... Oh, you must know something. There's a reason. There's got to be a reason. Now tell us, miss, why did he do it? I don't know. I just don't know. Oh, take it easy, Kosky. Can't you see she really doesn't know? Okay, so she doesn't know. But there's a reason. There's always a reason. Unless... Unless maybe Frank Blake uh, made a mistake. What mistake? Well, unless maybe Frank Blake had the wrong girl. Unless maybe he was supposed to kill somebody else that he didn't even know and he thought Linda was... Come again? Yeah, that's right. No, that's no good. Yeah, I better send out a bulletin. Yeah, what about this guy, Blake? What do he look like? About your size, I'd say. Yeah, that's right, Kalski. About your age, too. 5'11", 180 pounds, 32 years oh, old. Oh, come again. The color of hair? Dark. Eyes? I didn't notice. Uh, Linda? I wouldn't be able to tell. What do you mean you wouldn't be able I to? I can't tell colors. I never have been able to. You mean you're colorblind? <laughs> Isn't it stupid? Why, well, certainly not. <laughs> be much worse if we couldn't tell the color of your eyes. Thank you. Okay, Miss Johnson. I guess we'll have to take it back to headquarters again. To jail? Oh, now, wait a minute. Cosia can't take her back to jail again tonight. She's out on bail. Besides, don't you think enough things have happened to her already? But she's not safe here, Riley. It was just lucky we got here this time. It's for your own protection, Miss. Oh, Randy, I'm frightened. You were right. I shouldn't have come to Chicago. Yeah, well, you're here now. Uh, look, Kowski, I know we can't leave her here alone. Uh, how about my place? We can drop her off at my place. You'll be safe there, Linda. We left Linda safely locked in my apartment, and then I went back to headquarters with Sergeant Kowski. For the next two hours, we looked at pictures, full views and profiles of every mobster who had ever been mugged in the state of Illinois. And then I stopped. There he was, staring right up at me off a card. Frank Blake. Only here, he was called Frankie Bolano. Recognize him? Oh, yes, that's him. Who is he? Let's see the card. Part of the old Red Machete gang. Never heard of him. Now, wait a minute. Let me look up Machete. Um... Mabel, Mason, uh, Machete. Hey, how do you remember? Yeah, Donald Machete, alias Red Machete, convicted murder, first degree, sentenced life July 1941, escaped June 1949, shot by deputies while swimming across Des Plaines River, drowned, body not recovered. Well, he's dead, that doesn't tie in. No. Unless the... Or unless the guy on the train, that uh, the guy in Blake's compartment... And they thought Linda had seen him. Well, say he didn't drown. Say he got away. They've been hiding him out for over a year. And now they were uh, moving him. Let me see that card. Height, five feet eight. Weight, 160. Age, 42. Hair red. Eyes blue. Identifying marks. Bright red strawberry mark on... Left cheek. No wonder they thought Linda had spotted him. Only she couldn't have. She's colorblind. Sure, that's why she walked right through that red light tonight. She can't tell one color from another. From there on, it was a breeze. We knew what we were looking for. Frankie Bellano and Red Bacchetti. And with Kowski knowing all the right answers about all the wrong people, we found them both right where we should have looked in the first place. In a private room over the Rainbow Club where Linda had been arrested that afternoon. After I'd seen them safely into a cell, I got on the phone and called my apartment. And I'll come to think of it, it was the first time I'd ever dialed my own number. <laughs> a girl answered. Oh. Kind of a sleepy girl with a beautiful voice. What did you say? I, I said you're beautiful, Linda. Who is this? 
Randy Stone, that uh, nice-looking young fellow in whose apartment you've been living. Oh, I must have fallen asleep. Yeah, well, wake up, Linda. It's all over. You found him? Oh, yes. Your late uh, friend, Mr. Blake, is now resting comfortably in the city Hoosgau on a slight charge of attempted murder, aiding a penitentiary escapee, harboring a fugitive, and deliberately framing a pretty little girl from Molina, Kansas. Uh, I'm sorry. I mean, a pretty big girl from Molina, Kansas. But why, Randy? Why did he do it? Oh, it's a long story, but... Mainly because you started to holler copper, and he just did some fast thinking, and he hollered first. Do the police know that I didn't... Oh, sure. No more charges. They even threw your records away. Great little fix of this stone fella. You ought to get to know him better. I want to. Are you coming home soon? Oh, no, no. Not not my place. You know, uh, neighbors. But I want to see you, Randy. You've been so wonderful to me. Oh, sure, but... Don't you want to see me? Oh, I do, Linda. Sincerely, I, uh... Look, I'll tell you what. You hop in a cab right away, meet me on the corner of Dearborn and LaSalle. Can you remember that? But why? Oh, never mind why. It's, uh, 4.30 now. How long will it take you? No time at all. But my clothes, I haven't changed. My bag's still at the hotel. I didn't even unpack. Oh, never mind. I'll pick it up for you on the way. You'll hurry? Oh, yes. I'll hurry, Randy. Swell. I'll, uh, I'll have something for you. Catch it. What do you mean, what kept me? <laughs> Never mind. Here, keep the change. Sure. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Oh, Randy, I hurry. Hi. I'm not frightened anymore. Well. And I'm so happy. Hold me, Randy, close. Here? Uh, don't mind me, folks. Oh, <laughs> you go away. <laughs> <laughs> Where are we going, Randy? Uh, this is it. Right here. Oh, this is the train station. Uh-huh. And you said you'd have something for me. Oh, yeah. Here. A ticket? One way. To Molina, Kansas. Well, yes, uh, Mom, I did the right thing, all right. I made the noble gesture, and now I feel pretty good inside. I feel like a big man. <laughs> I feel like a big chump, if you want to know the truth. Who am I to suddenly get so noble where a beautiful girl is involved? Oh, well. Maybe if I rationalize long enough, I can kid myself into thinking she had to go home because she was running away from some unfinished business. You try to run away from things, but you can't ever run away from yourself. Who knows, maybe someday I might try running away myself. Hmm. Wonder what it's like in Molina. Copy, boy. From 1950, that was The Girl from Kansas, Night Beat, on Old Time Radio Forever. After a short advertisement, we will move to our second program of the evening, The Adventures of Nero Wolfe. Nero Wolfe ran from 1943 to 1951, starring Sidney Greenstreet as the title character. Nero Wolfe was unlike any other detective on the radio waves. Nero Wolfe very rarely, excuse me, even left his house, leaving all the legwork to his assistant, Archie. Nero Wolf was a fat, lazy detective, but using all of the information that was gleaned from Archie and from interviewing all of his clients, he always got the job done. Uh, 
So again, after this short break, we will go back to 1944, The Adventures of Nero Wolf on Old Time Radio Forever. Stay tuned for Nero Wolf. If the chimes shudder a little on Sunday afternoon, well, they know there's mystery in store Sunday with men of action like Mike Waring, better known as the Falcon, who brings his fearless and romantic touch to the solution of another mystery. After the Falcon, it's high adventure. Then the big guy steps in. The new private eye, Charlie Wilde, concludes with a few casual homicides. The chimes mean mystery and action this Sunday afternoon on NBC. Transcribed. My boss is the smartest and the stubbornest, the fattest and the laziest, the cleverest and the craziest, the most extravagant detective in the world, Nero Wolf. It's the adventure of Stamped for Murder. With that brilliant, eccentric private detective, orchid fancier and gargantuan gourmet, Nero Wolf, starring Sidney Greenstreet. Instructions for this morning, Archie, your notebook, please. First, Mr. Salinsback, inform him that the Long Island peafowl he sent were most unsatisfactory. Peafowl's breast flesh is not sweet and tender unless it is well protected from all alarms, especially from the air, to prevent nervousness. Long Island is full of airplanes. Look, Mr. Wolf, I... I shall want a dozen chickens that have been raised on blueberries and a fresh-killed lamb for tomorrow. Uh, Mr. Wolf, please listen, there's... Mr. Goodwin, be quiet, and then dinner on the following day becomes a problem. Mr. Wolf, dinner any day is going to be a problem if we don't pay Sausenbach's bill. Then pay it. With what? The bank account's empty. Ridiculous. There were $4,000 yesterday. But you bought that shipment of orchid bobs from wine old Gluckner. Mr. Wolf, we need money. You've got to stop eating and drinking beer long enough to earn some. <laughs> You're an alarmist. Will you, for the love of heaven, stop turning down clients and turn an honest dollar? I've got a couple of prospects right outside the door. Send them away. No, sir. Send them away. Tell them I've gone to Egypt. Nothing doing, sir. Confound you, Archie. Obey order. Send them away. Miss Kent, Mr. Rodman, come in, please. Thank you. Confound you, Archie. You're mutinous. Yes, sir, and you're stuck with it. This is Miss Gloria Kent and Mr. Rodman. They arrived as advertised with a pressing problem. Good morning. You people are here by sufferance only. I shall speak to Mr. Goodwin about it later. Yes, indeed. I don't like pressing problems, Miss Kent. What are yours? My father. Indeed? I'm on a court of domestic relations, Miss Kent. What did your father do? Beat you? Withhold your earnings? Discourage your suitors. Mr. Goodwin should have informed you this office does not undertake cases involving marital or family problems. But that's not... If Mr. Goodwin had not been beguiled by your pretty face, he might have warned you and avoided this embarrassment to you and annoyance to me. Now, 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 take it easy, take it easy. How many times have I told you you don't know how to handle women? Then suppose you let Miss Kent handle me. Well, it's simply this, Mr. Wolfe. I had some money my mother left me. My father's just spent it without my permission. I want it back without a scandal. Thanks, Miss Kent. How much? How spent? $10,000. Father bought a treasure map. Indeed? From whom? A pair of swindlers named Cross and Halleck. They've driven him crazy, talking about fortune salvaged from the SS this and the SS that. He, 
He's got a map and old letters. He studies. He, he's childish. Many fortunes have been recovered. Many more are wait on the sea bottom. How do you know your father has been duped? Well, I know. You do, Mr. Rodman. Yes. Cross and Halleck bought some old letters for me, written by my grandfather from Hawaii. They used them to manufacture the map and evidence. And that's what they sold to Kent. Father thought he was being so clever. He had the paper analyzed. Of course, the document research laboratory said the letters were genuine. They were. But something new had been added. I'd have never known if Mr. Rodman hadn't told me. You are a party to the swindle, Mr. Rodman? I was not. I never knew what they were up to. Mr. Wolf, you've got to help me. I can't do anything with the father. I can't convince him. Even Mr. Rodman can't... No, Miss Kent, I'm sorry. This is not for me. But you must. You must. Not in my office, madam. No tears. Please, please, Archie, stop her. Okay, okay, okay. Archie, when Miss Kent has finished her disgraceful exhibition, show them out. How dare you walk out on the... Easy, easy, easy. I know him. I know him. You don't. He gets into a panic when women cry, or else he's curious about what Fritz is cooking for lunch. Now, just uh, wait a minute, please. Oh, aren't you ashamed of yourself walking out like that on that poor kid? That hysterical gamma. <laughs> She's lost all of her money. She needs help. I charge high fees, Archie. So charge a small fee. Do you want her to starve? Good heavens. Starve? How monstrous. I'm not kidding. While you'll be in here smelling your dinner, she and her father will be starving. I thought you were bringing me a paying client. Well, this is different. She's, uh... You're beautiful. Archie, you're impossible. Oh, very well. Go back into them. Get names, addresses, facts. I am not committed to Miss Kent's case, but we'll see. Be a tribute I pay for your witness for a pretty face. <laughs> Rodman and Gloria Kent were gone, however. So all I had were the few facts they'd given me before they met Wolf. I felt guilty about that when he came back into the office and sat down in his specially built chair. He closed his eyes and I glared at him. Well, how much of you is awake? Mr. Wolf? Uh. Well, they disappeared. Did you tell me you were going to help this girl just to get her out of the office, or did you mean it? You're a gadfly. No, sir. No, sir. You made a promise, and you're stuck with it. What did you get from Rodman? Name, address, occupation. He's a librarian. That's all. Very careless, Archie. You missed a significant point. Such as, uh... How did Rodman discover the letters he sold were being altered by forgery and used for swindle? How did he locate the Duke, Mr. Kent? Uh, I guess you're right. I'll ask him next time. But uh, what about now? Are you going to get Gloria's money back? I assume you call Miss Kent Gloria solely in order to annoy me. It does. Stop it. Get Cross and Halleck. On my way. You'll find them at the Hotel Bogart. <laughs> Wrong, sir. According to my notes, their address Never is... Never mind their address. The Hotel Bogart is the headquarters for successful confidence tricksters. They celebrate their victories there while the money lasts. You will possibly find Cross and Halleck drinking whiskey or lunching... Probably both. I located Cross and Halleck in the hotel bar and lured them back to our place on 35th Street. Wolf was sitting behind his desk with his hands crossed on his impressive middle, at peace with his lunch and the world when I ushered them in. He sat bolt upright and scorched me with a look. Good afternoon, Mr. Wolf. The tall one's name is Cross, the short one is Halleck. 
They uh, want to help me invest my money. Gentlemen, Mr. Nero Wolf. Huh? Who? Nero Wolf? Hey, what is this? Confound you, Archie. How drunk are they? Not too drunk for business. Let's get out of here. Come on. Wait a minute. You want me to keep him here, Mr. Wolf? Not by violence, Archie. Come back here, gentlemen. Unless you want seven years in the state penitentiary. Unless what? You got nothing on us, Wolf. Nothing. I have the Kent case. The Kent That's a laugh. We're sitting pretty. Sitting pretty. You are not, sir. You imagine you possess legal immunity. Mr. Kent, believe you are grotesque balderdash and will not sue for fraud. Miss Kent cannot sue because she is reluctant to accuse her father of wrongfully obtaining her money. Ergo, you think you are invulnerable. Now, listen. But you forget me. I'm a detective with a fee to earn. A big fee. Quiet, Archie. I am determined to get that fee. Therefore, as Miss Kent's agent, I can and will bring action against you. I'm indifferent to her tears or her father's disgrace. I'm indifferent to anything outside of money. You will return the $10,000 to me at once, sir, or you'll be in jail by morning. You mean that? I do, Mr. Cross. Howie, come here. Come on, hurry. Uh, okay. Here, Mr. Wolf. Alec and I have decided we don't want to get in any trouble with you. Here's your ten grand. Uh, let's have it. Give the dough to Kent, Mr. Wolf, and get the letters and map back for us. You've got a reputation for being tricky, but honest. We trust you. Come on, Alec, let's go. <laughs> well, how about that? Preposterous. No, sir. Take a look. $10,000, genuine coin of the realm. That man crosses a fool. Does he imagine I'm to be fooled so easily? What do you mean he left the money? He surrendered too quickly, Archie. Too easily. And that money in the envelope he was carrying all ready to refund. Why? Well, maybe he's got a better sucker. I heard him mention a Ben Sanford. Nonsense. Does he need Kent's forged letters and map to cheat this Ben Sanford? Couldn't he prepare another set? Uh, I guess you're right. Something's fishy. In any event, it's no concern of mine, thank heaven. Uh, why not? I'm not committed to Miss Kent in any way. As a favor to you, I undertook to regain her money. I have done that. You may take it back to her and obtain the forged papers in return. But, uh... Silence, Mr. Goodwin. Go to your redhead charmer. Leave me in peace. I intend to spend this afternoon with my new world atlas. <laughs> I left him 3,000 miles up the Amazon with his magnifying glass and drove up to East 69th Street. The Kent house was a broken-down little brownstone, and as I went up the stoop, the door opened and Gloria Kent burst out like a skyrocket. Hey, Miss Kent, easy, easy. Let go of me. Let go. What's wrong? What's wrong? Wrong. Wrong. Nothing is wrong. Nothing at all. Well, how about seeing your father? You want to see my father? Come inside. Oh, for the love of heaven. Come inside, Mr. Goodwin. I'll introduce you. He's in a back room. Come right through the living room. What else came through this living room? A hurricane? No, Mr. Goodwin. Something else. There's my father, Mr. Goodwin. What in the devil? He's dead. His throat's cut. Father, this is Archie Goodwin from Nero Wolf's office. He and his boss refused to help while they could. Maybe he can help you now. Stop it. All I'm good for now is revenge. That's all. Stop it. Stop it and look at me. When did it happen? I don't know. When did you find him? Just now. Keep looking at me. 
Who went through this house like a hurricane? You? No. Where did you go after you left the office? To the laboratory. What lab? Document research. The, the place that checked the map. How long were you there? Until an hour ago. I was with Mr. Rodman. Keep looking at me. Uh, and then? I had lunch. With Rodman? Alone. And then I came home. All right. All right, now listen to me. I want you to go to Mr. Wolf's house right now. Have you got a cab there? Yes. All right, take a cab. I've got to stay here, but I'll call Mr. Wolf and tell him you're on the way. Now, get. I called Wolf, told him everything, and he instructed me to advise Inspector Kramer, who arrived with the homicide squad. I gave the inspector everything while the squad photographed and measured, print-dusted and detected. At 3.30, Kramer took me back to the house on 35th Street for a fight with Wolf. It's a great story, Wolf. Great. Kent buys a phony treasure map. Everybody knows it's phony except Kent. But Cross and Halleck try to buy it back, and Kent gets himself murdered. Did you find the map and letters in the house, Inspector? No, no, I didn't. Until it was after the map. A phony map? Certainly. Why? Well, if we knew that, we would know why Cross and Halleck so willingly paid back the money and why Kent was murdered. Maybe it's not phony. I'd better see the girl now. Oh, you fancy her for the murder? Well, I'll know after I ask a few questions. Tonight. She's had a shock, Mr. Kramer. She needs rest. Look, Wolf, I want her. Why bother with her when there's so much to be done? Yes, such as? Cross and Halleck, find them. And the mystery man they spoke of, Ben Sanford. These are the men you want now, not this poor, overwrought girl. Yeah. All right. The girl will be here for questioning tonight, though, huh? Tonight, Mr. Kramer. Okay. You'll hear from me later on. <laughs> well, you buffaloed him out of that, okay. Say, uh, why don't you want her questioned? Is she guilty? I don't know. Well, what did she say when she got here? She said nothing. She never arrived. She never what? She never arrived. Well, then why did you tell Kramer she was resting? Would he have believed the truth? <laughs> she must be found. More important, we must learn why Forge letters and Forge map produces turmoil. Find the killer and you find the map. You said so. I said the reverse, which is an altogether different statement. Archie, I want a photograph of that map. Get it. Oh, sure, sure. Any particular camera you want me to use? You'll find a photograph of 200 Vanderbilt Street. Are you kidding? The lab cannot check the authenticity of old papers without photographing them in ultraviolet light, infrared light, and so on. If this document research lab has examined those papers, they will have photographs. Get them! He got out of his chair and waddled back to the house elevator. It was four o'clock and time for his regular afternoon session with the orchids. I drove down to the document research laboratory on Vanderbilt and got such a shock that I grabbed the office phone and dialed Wolf at once. This is Nero Wolf. Mr. Wolf, Archie here. What's the matter? Are you lost? No, sir. No, sir, but I found something. Photographs? No, Mr. Wolf. I don't think you'll ever see any photographs of the Kent map. I don't think any were taken. Indeed. But uh, guess who runs the document research laboratory? No, 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 don't guess. You probably know. A man named Ben Sanford, and he's sitting right here looking at me. Bring him home with you. Home? But it's four in the afternoon. This is the sacred hour when you pray over your orchids. And Mr. Sanford can join the ceremony. 
Hey, how about this place? How about it? There must be a million flowers up here. <laughs> no, not flowers. Orchids only. Mr. Wolf has 10,000 plants. Never saw anything like it. And you never will again, brother. Hey, uh, what, uh, what kind is that on the bench? Oh, that. That's our pride and joy. Odontoglossum harianum. Above them, the Van Petersirana, and the pink ones are the Silogiani uh, Pandoratas. Now, the large object, mulching flower pots, is Nero Wolf. Mr. Wolf, Ben Sanford. Good afternoon, sir. Hi. I came along to be obliging. I've got nothing to say about anything. How much have you offered Cross and Halleck for their treasure map? No comment. Mr. Sanford, I'm going to make some assumptions. I assume that you are not, in fact, a document expert, but an accessory to the fraud of Halleck and Cross. No comment. That you actually prepare fraudulent maps for those swindlers, and then in the guise of an expert, guarantee their authenticity. No comment. But this you must answer. You did guarantee the authenticity of the map and letters can't bought. It's on record. All right, I did. Then will you admit they were forged? What are you, a comic? No. You guarantee the value of the Kent map? Yes. As an expert? Yes. Then you've convicted yourself of murder. What? Murder? What is this? Mr. Kent was murdered, sir. Evidently for the map and letters he bought. But of all persons involved, you alone believe in the value of the map. No one else does. Therefore, you alone would have murdered Ken for the map. Well, for the love of... Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> chew it over, brother. Chew it over. Either way, he's got you. Okay. Okay, you... You want me to level? Here it is. Level, Archie? Okay, boss. Thief-type talk. It means tell the truth. It's like you say. The letters were bought from Rodman. I forged the map and evidence on them. I guaranteed them to Kent. The swindle. The letters are without value? Oh, sure, they're old, that's all, from 1851. Just tired family gossip and stuff. Indeed. There we have the problem again, Archie. Mr. Kent is swindled with a map and letters that are known to be worthless. He alone believes the fantasy of the treasure. There isn't any treasure. Never was. Yet Cross and Halleck refunded the swindle money so eagerly. It is obvious they want those worthless documents back badly. Someone else wants them so bad, he murders Mr. Kent. Why? I don't know. Ah, gee, we must find the girl. There's a chance she turned to Mr. Rodman for refuge. I'm sorry, you'll have to go there at once. If the girl isn't there, bring Rodman. Yes? Hello, Rodman. Remember me? I'm Archie Goodwin from Nero Wolf's office. Oh, Oh, yes, of course. I came to get Gloria Kent. There's been a change in plans. Tell her to come out, please. Gloria? Well, she's not here. Why should she be? Haven't you heard? Heard what? Well, I guess you'd better come down and see Wolf. Uh, Mr. Goodwin, I'm afraid I can't. I'm rather busy. Look, Rodman, maybe you ought to know. Old man Kent was murdered. What? Yes, yes, just after you and Gloria left us. Kent murdered? Well, I... well this is awful, Mr. Goodwin. You it's... want to see Mr. Wolf now? Get your hat. Murder. Well, believe me, I never wanted this. I, I'm going to tell Nero Wolf the whole mess. Every word of it. Okay, then. Come on. Let's go. Yes, of course. Just a minute. I'll get my hat in the bedroom. Murdered? Kent. I never dreamed. <sighs> come on, Rodman. Come on, Rodman. Come on. What? I didn't hear you. Oh, Rodman. What the... Oh, Rodman. 
next. Come on, come on. This is Nero Wolf. Archie here. We've had a tough break. Yes? While I was waiting for Rodman at the front door, he went into the bedroom for his hat. The killer was there. How do you know? He cut Rodman's throat. Killer. The back window was open. It's the ground floor apartment. He was out and gone before I had a chance. Archie, where were your wits? Let me alone. I've had a man murdered 20 feet from me. You think I'm cheering? Mr. Kramer is here, and he has news for us, Archie. He could not locate Cross and Halleck in their apartment. They had not been home all day. The maid informed him that she was waiting for her weekly salary. Well, so what? She was most angry and peppery, Mr. Kramer informs me. Red pepper? Exactly. Okay. Okay, maybe I know what you mean. I'll try to deliver the goods this time. Goodbye. I drove down to the apartment house on Gramercy Square where Cross and Halleck lived, took the elevator up to the 10th floor, found the right door, and slipped in with a pass key. Come on out. Come out wherever you are. I know you're in here. You fooled Kramer pretending to be the maid, but you didn't fool Wolf. You'd better... Gloria! Cut it out! Cut it out, you idiot! Lay off! Archie, Archie, you know Archie Goodwin from Nero Wolf's office. Remember me? Give me the gun, Gloria. Give it to me. That's right. Who, uh, Who did you think I was? Alec. Oh, brilliant. So Wolf figured you out, huh? Well, you are a brave girl. They killed your father. You came up here and waited for them. You were going to kill them right back, huh? Oh, that red-headed temper. And you bluffed Kramer into thinking you were the maid. I had to do something. It was the only thing I could think of. To come here and kill him. Well, you're coming home with Archie. And just remember one thing. When Wolf's working for you, don't try to do any thinking. It only gets in Wolf's way. I got Gloria Kent back to the house at 7 o'clock. I parked the car, brought her into the office, and got the shock of my life. There was a convention on. Wolf was there with Inspector Kramer representing the cops. Cross, Halleck, and Sanford were there representing the crooks. When Kramer saw Gloria, he scowled first at her... And then at Wolf. So it was a slick one after all, Wolf. You didn't have the girl. You had no intention of producing her. Please, Mr. Kramer, that can wait. There are other matters more important. I dine at eight. That leaves me one hour to solve your murders. Murders? More than one? Yes, two. Elmer Rodman. I haven't could win if you... Please, Mr. Kramer, not now. First, Miss Kent. Good evening, Miss Kent. I presume you have met these gentlemen, Cross Halleck and Sanford. I... Yeah, I'll take your purse, please. Huh? Well, why? I... Uh, don't think me as naive as Mr. Goodwin, miss. When you left your home after the murder of your father, you took the map and letters with you. They are in your purse well, now. That's not true. Archie, the purse. Thank you. We have here an interesting situation. There exists some old letters and map, forged and fraudulent. But they're worth $10,000 and more to Cross and Halleck and worth two murders to a killer. Why? There must be something of great value in the letters. Yes, such as? Something which Mr. Sanford could not see, although he worked on the document closely. Yet something which could be made manifest. 
What is the answer, Miss Camp? You know it? I swear I don't. Secret writing, Archie. Bring the chafing dish from the dining room. Right. Secret writing? I saw nothing when I worked on those letters. Naturally, Mr. Sandler, the writing is invisible. But heat is an agent. It makes most forms of secret writing visible. The chafing dish, boss. Thank you, Archie. Place it before me and light it. Right. Now I open Miss Kent's purse. From it, you see, I withdraw these ancient letters which he took from her house after her father's murder. That's not true. Archie. That's enough, Gloria. That's enough. From now on, you just listen. We remove the letters from the envelope and toast them gently. The secret ink vintage, 1851, will easily succumb to the agency of heat. Careful. Those envelopes will catch fire. Hey, 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 they're caught. Don't be upset, Mr. Cross, Mr. Halleck. The envelopes. They'll burn safely in the dish. We can concentrate on the writing. Watch closely. I don't want to be accused of trickery. You fat fool. The envelopes are everything. Put them out, Sanford. Don't sit there. Put them out. Why, Mr. Halleck? Well, the stamps, the missionaries are worth a fortune. The missionaries? Of course. You know that. Mr. Cross knows. So does Mr. Sanford, right? Yeah, yeah. Boss Sanford knows you old fool. Let me... Uh, Mr. Sanford is not alarmed. Why not, sir? I don't know what you're talking about. Fifty or a hundred thousand dollars is burning before your eyes, Mr. Sanford. Cross and Halleck are burning their fingers, putting out the flaming envelopes. And you sit there quite indifferently. Why? Well, I've... I've... I, you know the value of the missionary stamps on the letters you bought from Rodman... But you know these aren't the real letters. Isn't that it? Not the real letters? I told you I'm tough to crack, Wolf. You didn't fool me with those dummies. Dummies? How do you know? Mr. Cross didn't know. Mr. Haddock didn't know. How did you? Well, I... uh... I'll tell you, sir. Only one man could know I was framing Miss Kent as a decoy. Only one man could know I prepared these dummy letters and pretended to take them from her purse. And that is the killer. The man who murdered her father. And stole the map and letters this morning. You, sir, Mr. Sanford. Well, I'll be... Mr. Kramer, there's your killer. You'll find the missing map and letters on him or concealed in his home or office. You won't need the evidence anyway. Look at his face. He's self-confessed. Self-confessed like fun? He was booby-trapped. No, Mr. Crane, not a complicated case, really. Very simple. Elmer Rodman sold a packet of old family letters to the swindlers for a small sum. They used the letters to perpetrate their fraud on Miss Kent's father. And the stamps on the letters were valuable? They were a special Hawaiian issue, 1851, Miss Kent. Nicknamed missionaries, because missionaries used them for writing home. They are extremely rare stamps worth upward of $25,000 each. Hey, no wonder they were worth two murders. We found five of them on Sanford. Excellent. Somewhere or other, Rodman discovered the value of the stamps after he sold the letters. In his effort to get them back, he communicated his discovery to the swindlers, Cross, Halleck, and Sanford. So that's why they refunded the money so fast. Precisely. In an effort to have the sale rescinded. Rodman sought out Kent and tried to convince him of the fraud. Alas, he would not listen to the truth, Mr. Kramer. Oh, I get it. And while the others were hassling around, Sanford tried to steal a march and quietly resorted to murder. Ah, there you have it. Ha-ha! Great job, boss. Great job. So Gloria not only gets her ten grand back, but uh, five times twenty-five, which is about 125,000 worth of goodies... 
Now, figuring your rates by the hour, that means you've done a gratis job worth about... Yes, um... Ken. I did not know what I demand a large fee for what I've done. I will not go back on my word. But I can beg for a favor. I'll only be too happy to... Wait, wait, wait. I ask something that will not be easy to grant. What is it? Will you use your red hair, your pretty face, your admirable figure, and your ample fortune to lure Mr. Goodwin away from this house tonight? I would like to enjoy my dinner in peace. That won't be difficult, Mr. Wolf. <laughs> Let's have an understanding right now, Gloria. Difficult for you or for me? I'll be delighted. <laughs> Indeed. To spend an evening with Mr. Goodwin, there is only one word for you, Miss Kent. Intrepid. have been listening to The New Adventures of Nero Wolfe, starring Sidney Greenstreet. Tonight's story by Alfred Bester was based on the famous characters created by Rex Stout, produced by Edwin Fadiman, and directed by J. Donald Wilson. In the cast were Wally Mayer as Archie Goodwin, and Gene Bates, Howard McNair, Jay Novello, Larry Dobkin, Bill Johnstone, and Herb Vigran. Music by Joseph Enos. Next week, at this same time, Nero Wolf and Archie will bring you The Case of the Careworn Cup. Don Stanley speaking. The preceding was transcribed. Three chimes mean good times on NBC. The chimes ring for Dennis Day and Judy Canova tomorrow night on NBC. Also, Judy Canova prepares to go operatic tomorrow because her special guest is Itzio Pimza. This is Chester William Bendix Riley. The man called X follows on NBC.